Radio 194 is upon us. Presented by MegaWear KeelGuard, the industry's first do-it-yourself keel protector. Hey, Bass Edge Nation. Visit KeelGuard.com and learn how to protect your boat from rocks and road debris that can be harmful to your watercrafts. Today, we've got a very cool guest in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. He came from back near my hometown, and I look forward to hearing his thoughts on tidal water bass fishing. Let's get this show away from the dock as Bass Edge Radio is underway. know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Kurt, back at the mic for the October 15th air date. And we're 15 days out. I know this is such a stressful time of year for you. You know, I know Rhonda had thrown out there, you're debating the Halloween costume. I know you've got it narrowed down to two. Kind of went the more, you know, stepping out on a limb, possibly the Chippendales dancer costume, I think is what she'd said. Or maybe save a little money and using your uh, Del Rio City Jail inmate uniform so that you don't actually have to go out and buy one and kind of be able to recycle and kind of get into the whole green theme of, of your lifestyle. <laughs> yes, uh, that is correct. Um, now that I've thought about it so much, I'm really leaning on the Chippendales. I've been working out a lot, eating a lot of hamburgers, french fries, chips, and I'm feeling like my my physique is just right to be scary as hell. <laughs> well, there you, go, there you go. See, you can do the Legends Tour, I guess, uh, from what I understand. You can actually show up with all the guys that have retired and probably out of shape and, and very old. And, and fit right in. So. Yeah, there, but, there's no doubt about it. We're going to put a big smiley face for all the kids, though, right in the center on the belly button area. There you go. But in a more serious debate, what is your favorite lure to be throwing this time of year? Because we are approaching what I believe are many people's favorite time of year, and that is because you have a lot of activity. That's, you know, Temperatures are cooler, people hitting the woods, but they're also hitting the water at the same time, kind of that best of both worlds. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, my favorite bait this time of year is going to be a jig. You know, I'm going to pitch it, swim it, skip it. It's just much too versatile to not have that as the only bait I've got tied on my deck if I have one. So, um, you know, it catches big fish. Unlike you, Aaron, it catches <laughs> big, big fish. But but uh, in all seriousness, you know, it's just, you know, it's super versatile. You swim the jig, you know, depending on what kind of trailer, you can affect the action tremendously if you want a lot of flutter to it or make it a little bit more subtle. But again, you know, I want to jack big ones. 
doing. I'm tired of going out there catching 20 or 30 a day. Look, I'm looking for five or six big monster bass so I can come in and slam them on Bass Edge Facebook. There you go. And uh, I know you've been trying for several years now to get your picture up there, but uh, someday keep at it. I promise you, listen to the episodes. It will make you a better angler. But uh, my favorite bait, of course, you know, I'm going to milk that topwater for as long as what I possibly can. I've had some really neat experiences on throwing like a black buzz bait, you know, with gold blades when the water temperature is, is really right at the 50 mark. It's, it's really neat to see, and that's surface temperature, of course, but it's really neat to see how those uh, big fish will move up and hit that bait so late in the year and if I can't do that then of course I'm dropping back to the spinner bait but then along the lines of what you're saying with the crayfish imitation man that wiggle wart some of the reservoirs I fish that clear water you get up on the hey hey wait 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 well, you only get one you can't <laughs> hey you know I, you were going to give me the mic I was just going to keep rolling <laughs> crankbait or topwater okay you like the wiggle wart you like the buzz bait I'm going to whoop you with the jig which one do you get you taking the crankbait or topwater which one uh, I will take I would say I'd have to take the crankbait because i think it's just more dependable top water's a lot right. more fun all right yeah I, I would agree with that statement so uh we'll have to put that to the test you'll have to go out on table rock throw the crankbait all day i'll flip the jig all day in del rio and we'll see what happens so you can't weigh in any florida strain bass so let's bring that into perspective do they have to be all northern strain hey look you think i'd have a little bit of advantage right now in here in del rio but it's not the case i'm gonna start still fishing brutally tough a matter of fact i'll switch locations if you want you can come down here throw the crankbait i'll go up there throw the jig hey they don't call me martinez for nothing man i I, i'm all over that (laughs) all right sounds good all right well hey we have uh mark joining us as always mark negast for the marine tech minute brought to you by one of the most educated websites of course second to bass edge but that is protecttheharvest.com if you haven't went there be sure to check them out a lot of good things going on there but let's go see what mark has to say for this week's marine tech minute first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Safety goggles, check Grease gun, check. Rubber gloves, check. A chemist that reinterpreted the molecular configuration of his own brain matter for fun, check. (laughs) We're ready for another Tech Minute. Presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com with chemist Mark Negust of Lucas Oil Products. Mark Bill from Des Moines, Iowa, sent in a very proactive question. Bill wants to know, if ethanol was supposed to be the savior to fossil fuels, why has it created such a problem for our motors made input costs for farmers higher and also cost the taxpayers millions. Are we still compounding the emissions problems when we use the additives in our fuel? Well, with ethanol fuels, I mean, originally the reason why ethanol fuels were created was to reduce our dependency on foreign oil. That was the whole reason why, to reuse uh, renewable sources. We know that crude oil is eventually going to run out, and by using ethanol fuels, you use something that's renewable, something you can regrow. Designed to to reduce emissions, you actually have less power 
and you actually have less fuel economy by using an ethanol fuel over gasoline. It has created problems in the fact that the original equipment manufacturers were not equipped to deal with higher percentages of ethanol. The federal mandate that they had to use E10, which is 10% ethanol, anything larger than that, of course, creates problem with the equipment in the engines. So it's something that's going to continue. Biofuels are going to continue for the United States, mainly because it's trying to reduce our overall dependency on foreign oil. I don't see it going away, but they may restrict the higher percentages of alcohol beyond E15. Well, Bill, thanks for the question and really kind of just raising our awareness on not only the environmental, but social awareness as far as issues that lay out there. Mark, more importantly, thank you for making us look smart. You're listening to Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. Two fishermen came together with one agenda, to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish, with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride. Extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. This is FLW Cup champion Anthony Gagliardi, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. We are entering the tidal water zone today here at Bass Edge Radio. We've got the East Coast premier tidal water angler on the airwaves to give us an in-depth look at fishing those waters. A big Bass Edge welcome to FLW Touring Pro, Brian Schmidt. Thanks for being here, Brian. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to be here. Well, Brian, there are people that fish, and then there are people that fish for a living, and you happen to do both. I understand that you are not only a competitive and recreational bass angler, but you're also a commercial fisherman? I am. I'm more of a guide on the Chesapeake Bay. Um, we have a 46-foot charter boat, take out many groups of uh, you know, family groups, work groups, you know, average trips, 6 to 12 people, 350 trips a year on the Chesapeake Bay, mainly targeting rockfish and bluefish and uh, some bottom fishing as well. But that definitely... I think keeps me in tune with the tides, you know, because it's tidal water and, you know, I do it every day. Well, uh, you know, where I come from, that's called a yacht. And, of course, that's probably where you and Kurt met was at the yacht club. Is that right? (laughs) Oh, it's a fishing boat. It's definitely a fishing (laughs) boat, but it's a big one. Well, hey, Brian, to all the anglers living back east from, uh, you know, North Carolina to New York, you are essentially a household name, just really smashing the competition, fishing the upper Chesapeake Bay, the Potomac River, and recently the James. River. Bass Edge Nation, if you don't know about it, just Google it. Heck, I mean, even, you know, who we talk about so much on here, the Bass Blasters, Jay Kumar's uh, just great media piece that comes out a couple times a week. He has been mentioned numerous times there on the Bass Blaster. But, Brian, if you could identify really one key to why you're being so successful on tidal waters, what is it and why? If I could say, going back to the previous discussion about the charter boat, it's just I feel I have a very good understanding of tides, what it does to fish, and to be able to do it every day when I leave the dock for the charter boat, you know, I got an outgoing tide at you know, until this time or incoming and it's just the daily deal of the tides. And um I think that really is almost like I'm practicing bass fishing when I'm doing a charter boat. And I feel that's one very, very big key for me, man, if I had to take a stab at it. Yeah, you know, we talked with uh Adrian Avina earlier this 
year and and he's a captain you know he does a lot of striper trips up there in new jersey and stuff and he talked about some of those tides and and how that helps him and kind of keeps you out there on the water really just kind of keeps him in tune but i gotta say brian you know being originally from the east coast and having some knowledge of these rivers it surprises me that an angler can dominate on such vast and complex systems how do you go about trying to break down the waters before you head out fishing on a particular day or perhaps for a tournament week? The biggest thing I do is I know the tides for the upcoming days. I know the weather conditions, the time of year, and the moon, the moon phase. That's one of my biggest keys. The moon affects the tides a lot more than I believe people give it credit for. When you get a full moon, it makes the tides come a lot higher and a lot lower faster. It also will make the water go, let's say if your tide range is three foot on the Potomac, on a full moon, you could get another foot on top of that. So areas that aren't usually good enough or have enough water to get into or wood on the bank that doesn't have enough water to fish, sometimes on a full moon, you got enough water. And these are the keys that I like to get a good grip of before I even go fishing, you know, to know what's going on. A north wind blows the water extra low, south wind makes it higher, you know, all those little keys before I even get on the water. Well, let me uh, kind of break this down because, again, I live in the Midwest and most anglers out here, the only thing they know about tide is you throw it your washer to wash your clothes. So uh, <laughs> I, I want you to break this down to some very basic rules for people like me. You know, the best times are the, are the last two hours of an outgoing tide from kind of my understanding and, and the first hour of the incoming tide. Why is it important to follow these water movements like you're speaking of here? Your your last bit of low tide or outgoing tide, the water's lower. Your four foot deep grass bed now is two foot deep and it congregates the food and therefore the bass as well. You got a little depression outside of the grass or outside of the wood they were living on before the tide got low. Now you can really, really key in on targets. The food, everything pulls out with the tide. Now high tide which could be the other scenario that the food, the bay fish, the crayfish, they know the tides as well as the bass. So they can move into areas that they normally wouldn't to feel safe or secure. They know that maybe this four or five pound bass isn't going to follow me in this shallow, you know, and vice versa. But there's always a key time during the day. Sometimes it's the low tide. Sometimes it's the last two hours of incoming tide. But you try to figure out the key key tide but it seems like every day there's a new little window and it's one of those deals that i haven't been able to really master yet it's almost like you got to pick a spot and wait and every day there might be a different little time that the fish really really feed but easy fishing low tide congregates the food congregates the bass easy targets you know you know that they're going to pull out to that specific piece of cover they have no other choice that's why low tides always been good always so let me ask you let me throw this out there you brought up a very good point when you're talking about setting at a spot because i'm thinking you know to myself obviously i've fished tidal waters but when we talk about practice and we talk about getting out there and trying things new you know you could literally find yourself for somebody that's not really familiar with tidal waters if you start bouncing around a lot and as the tide is changing because you have not only the dynamics of the river system itself but then also this tide moving up and down you could really be chasing something and practicing and doing it wrong time and spot after spot after spot so if you 
you set there is a good way for a person to practice to actually go to a spot, the same spot, during several different title stages just to see and really get a good understanding. Is that what you would suggest to maybe the up-and-coming title fishermen? Absolutely. That is the number one key I feel that people go wrong with is they hear this and they read about chasing the tides. And you can run yourself all over the rivers or the bay and not fish at the right time and getting into an area that has fish, has grass, and just learning that area. Like I said, each area might want a specific tide. It could be high tide and this spot over here is low tide. Well, that's a six-hour difference in time. So you're not going to accomplish that in a tournament day. So sometimes just picking an area, fishing it throughout both tides, you're going to unlock that little window that they want to bite. And it could carry over for more than one day. You know, if you figure out that last couple hours of outgoing, that might hold true for a few days. And that's a key that I do. I mean, I definitely pick a few areas and I really fish them through both tides. Next day of practice, I might go to this other fish it through both tides because I want to learn this spot, they want outgoing. This spot, they want incoming. And then now you have a full day of fishing. You could go here for half the day, here for half the day. But if you're running all over the place and not fishing, they could be biting and you'll never know it. You know, it's like it's way different than a lake where sometimes you pull up to a spot, they're there, they're biting. Well, the Potomac, Chesapeake Bay, and tidal waters like that, you could have the mother load under the boat and never know they're there until they want to bite. And the only way to figure that out is by fishing. So, Brian, when you are deciding what place to spend this time, I mean, you're talking about several hours to spend on a particular area to find out what those magic times are. How do you decide that, you know, this is a viable area that has a high population of fish? Is it just from previous experience or do you see things that you're looking for that you feel like give you the opportunity to have a uh, large group of fish living in a particular area? That's a good question. I feel that on the Potomac, for instance, you pull into, let's just say you pick four creeks and you're going to say to yourself that, let's say you, you got a summertime tournament and you got four creeks in mind that you know back in April and May, they spawn in pretty well. There's a lot of fish that use these creeks to spawn. You know that they spawn in there, so you're going to go to those creeks and now you're going to look for your post-spawn fish. Well, I look at how much grass do they have. You know, the first creek you go to, ah, oh, the grass, it's not as thick as it should be. In my opinion, you need a lot of grass, a lot of cover to hold a lot of big fish. Maybe it doesn't have a lot of grass. Well, there's a ton of bait. You see a lot of birds diving. You see a lot of fish jumping. You see a lot of life. Well, that's always a good sign. And then you go to your next creek. Wow, the grass is thick. It's full of grass. As far as you can see, you know that could hold a lot of fish. And those are the main things I do is, you know, I, I just say, to myself, could this hold the numbers? Tidal water, you have to have some form of cover. I don't feel bass like to just swim in the current with nothing protecting them from the current. They need cover. A lot of grass is a good thing. A lot of wood or rocks is a good thing. So I look for all that. And then once the habitat looks good, is there life? You know, sometimes I pull in an area, I catch a 
couple catfish. Well, that's a good sign to me. The catfish are there. There's some kind of food there, birds, the whole scenario. Gotcha. So just really looking for a lot of visual things. And from your experience, you feel like you can identify that pretty quickly over, you know, an hour or so period based on what you're seeing visually. I want to jump back real quick before we go to break. You know, you talked about fishing on higher water tides. You know, so many times you, you hear people discuss, well, if you're not on that primo outgoing tide, the lower part of the outgoing, the first part of the incoming, then, then you might as well just leave and go to another area. But you really shed some light on and sometimes you're finding good areas or good fishing opportunities on higher water. Is there something specific that you're looking for? Or is it just that you end up finding out that fish turn on on higher water on some of these areas because you're fishing throughout all cycles of the tide? Yes. High tide has been a major, major key for me over the years. And what I try to do, I pull into a creek or a main river grass bed, and it always seems like the inside of the grass is really, really thick. The, the closest grass to the shore looks to be the thickest grass you see, and then it slowly tapers out towards the deeper water, of course. Well, I feel, you know, on the outgoing tide, of course, they're pulling out. They're on the outside edges. They're roaming. All the food's coming out to them. But it just seems to me that those bigger, bigger fish love to stay in that thicker grass or the thicker cover. So if you go in to that thicker cover on a low tide, you know, your trolling motor's making a lot of noise. The grass is really matted up. There's not a lot of water over top of these big bass. To begin with, I feel they are very skittish. On the opposite side, you go in there on a high tide, you know, they feel safe, I guess. I don't know how to explain it, but that thicker grass on the inside, they're moving around more. Maybe there's more water underneath that grass and they're just roaming and feeding. The bait goes in there as well and it's just an easier way to target it or some wood that's laying down on the bank on the inside of a grass bed, you know, on a high tide. Now you got enough water for fish to be on it. Sounds like uh, you got a lot more chance to be more stealth on that high tide and that's been a real key for you. i tell you what, it's time to take a quick break here on Bass Edge Radio. Brian Schmidt, the East Coast Tidal Water Fishing King. We'll be right back after these messages. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, you're guaranteed to get the everyday low price on the parts you need. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any local auto parts store's price on any like item. We have the parts you need at prices you can be sure of at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Radio returns with FLW Tour Angler Brian Schmidt in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It works. All right, Brian. Kurt, he kind of hangs out with, you know, the Zach Brown band, toes in the water, butt in the sand type deal. But for the rest of us, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's fall. You know, the leaves have changed, and, and it's getting cooler. So let's let's chat a little bit about these uh, fall presentations that we need to be using right now and I assume you know you're predominantly a shallow water techniques you know outside of the winter months of course but what are your favorite techniques for tidal bassing for tidal bassing year in year out a good top water a frog a buzz bait a rico a popper then I switch over to 
swim baits, chatter baits, and then I switch over to flipping or Sanko. And I let the fish tell me, you know, you pull into these areas certain times of the year, certain times of the day, you can't get one even to look at a topwater. You pick up a swim bait, you pick up a shallow running crankbait, and it's all you want. Or, you know, you go back through this grass bed and the clouds have rolled in and now they're eating the topwater. But I always have that set up and I let the fish tell me and you really can't force feed tidal water fish just like anywhere else. You got to let them tell you what they want. But Sanko is always, always good. Some kind of stick bait, just really slowly picking apart the grass or the wood. Shallow running crankbaits, chatter baits always are good for that reaction bite. And every once in a while, the top water is just hard to beat. Yeah, it can get off the hook, that's for sure. Fall, you know, basically in full swing around your neck of the woods. What type of fish movements are you seeing this time of year? And um, how are you trying to stay with those movements? You know, just over the last week, I guess the week before, I was catching some fish in a foot of water in the back of a creek. And the next day, I couldn't find them, and they had moved out to the mouth of the creek near a deep depression that had 10 to 15 foot. They're definitely moving to the creeks this time of year. I think the best creeks this time of year would have a deep water trench or deep water access really close to a back of a creek is just a special spot this time of year they can go and feed it gets too cold they can back off but uh they definitely are moving to the back of the creeks when you talk about the backs of the creeks you know is that something they're moving in for you know kind of almost getting into a winter transition where they're trying to stay out of the current talk to us a little bit about the movements from that fall to winter transition okay i feel that through the fall i'd say till about November-ish, you know, October big time. It's like they go on a shallow feed. You know, the bait's up there, the food's up shallow, and they're just roaming these flats. You know, specifically, any kind of flat that has another creek dumping in or a little feeder creek dumping in always seem to have a little more life and I feel they just roam these flats you know especially if they have grass and just feed 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 and then slowly as it cools off late October into November they'll go to the first drop off in that area and I feel they stay in these drop offs that doesn't really have a lot of current hitting them like if there's some kind of hole or some depression that they can get in the bottom of and the tide doesn't hit them as much i feel the winter there and you know they'll sit there you know all the way to the spring guys it's time for the o'reilly auto parts professional parts people listener question brian here's a question sent in from a bass edge listener dan from Burmington, washington asks i gotta tell you brian this is a tough one i live on a man-made lake which is a salmon run stream dam it has constant cold water 365 days a year but lots of bass it's very difficult for me to catch these fish so and it seems like no one's fishing in the lake i've tried every bait at every speed and it's always very slow. I can't seem to catch the big fish I know are in there. Any suggestions? I would suggest two things. One, I would match the hatch. I'm understanding that there could be salmon that use this body of water, put on a small bait imitating a salmon, small swim bait, match the hatch, or I would go the total opposite direction. I would go super, super finesse. I would get super light fluorocarbon line, and I would scale down to a small drop shot with a small worm, or I would scale down to a small wacky worm. I would go super finesse, or I would go almost 
maybe bulky swim bait to match the hatch there. That's the two things I think I would try. Well, Brian, thanks for that answer. And certainly uh, I could see uh, if you don't catch a bass, you know, maybe catch a giant salmon. Kind of. those, those things are ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, hey, Dan, we thank you for sending in your question to Bass Edge. Be sure to send us an email letting us know you heard your question answered by Brian on the show to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And Bass Edge listeners, of course, we appreciate the continued feedback and encourage you to submit those questions via our Facebook page and Twitter handle at Bass Edge or through our email support at BassEdge.com. Always remember to include your name and hometown. Well, Brian, it was certainly a very interesting tidal water chat today. Thanks so much for uh, spreading the knowledge here on Bass Edge Radio. Any closing thoughts as we kind of close this party down? Yeah, one final thing. I kind of hinted towards it earlier in the discussion. I feel, guys, you know, you're coming to tidal water for tournaments or just for fun big big key is always look for light birds out of water and in water you know if you see catfish if you see perch if you see crayfish these are all good signs the bass are probably there just got to remember they're not going to bite until they're ready so you have to be there but if you see light it's a very good key so if i see a bunch of buzzards flying overhead where kurt always takes me to does that mean it's dead water then brian that's bad. He's just—he's he, not taking you to his hot spot. All right, gar hole, guaranteed. Oh, Aaron, you're killing me. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been just great catching up with you, and I certainly look forward to seeing you again down the road. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Dude, I'm I'm stoked we had Brian on the show. You know, I get so many questions all the time just because I'm originally from the East Coast about tidal water fishing, and uh, you know, Brian brings a new perspective to it. And I really like when he was talking about catching fish on high tide. You know, he's talking about it being a little bit more stealthy. You can get through some areas and not dig up as much mud or, or be as uh, you know cause as much commotion. And it seems like he's catching bigger fish and and potentially just catching more fish than the rest of everybody because of those tactics he's using oh no question i mean it's showing up across uh, all the tournaments that he's fishing and and one of the things that i related to that he had talked about I, you probably remember this all the way back in season one our, our show that you and i had filmed together all the way up on the hudson you know we get there and we roll into town got to get some tape in the cameras and do some testing and stuff like that and you take me on the boat ride of my life on what's called high tide so you say of course when we went across that sandbar that rocky island that we there was like one place in and one place out that we had i think you said about 15 and a half 
half minutes to get through there, and we caught them, but uh, I was a little puckered on the way out. Yeah, man, uh, you know, those are great memories. Love the old-time stuff. Uh, for any Bass Edge Nation, we still got DVDs of Season 1, Season 2, and, of course, our electronics DVD that uh, was taped there, you know, just a short few years ago. So uh, be sure you check that out. But, man, all kinds of fun stuff. We did a couple Tidal Water shows. We also did one on the Potomac and uh, Jack some Jaws out there and, and, as you mentioned, the Hudson already. So Yeah, uh, the Potomac, Hudson, I think, uh, down in Florida with uh, Pam Martin-Wells. Uh, we're at uh, St. John's and all the way out on the Delta. So uh, I've been around a, a few of that moving. <laughs> That's right. I'll never forget the uh, Delta with Chris Ball, Cannonball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was freaking phenomenal. So uh, lots of fun there. And uh, always Bass Edge trying to key up on all kinds of different conditions that you anglers will see out there. Tidal water being one of the most complex. Well, as it goes the tide, so goes the show. We are on outgoing tide concerning Bass Edge. We are out of time. Kurt, as always, great being with you. I want to thank all of our listeners for being with us through 194 episodes of Bass Edge Radio. I am Aaron Martin, and for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we will see you next time, November 1st. Have a great week, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. <laughs>